From the world to your ears, welcome to Yakin with Yassian, a podcast about music and its business, featuring your host, Dan Yassian. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I have a very, very special guest. His name is Edward Balian. Actually, his official title is Dr. Edward Balian. And this man retired as a professor, but then decided to go back and teach uh, creative writing courses. And that brings us to a very, very special book. And this book is entitled Turn the Page. This is Bob Seeger's first ever biography. Dr. Balian, you're responsible for writing this? Yeah, with a great staff assisting, a team effort. Wow. And how long did it take? Well, it sort of depends on where we want to count the starting point. My work on the book with my staff, about two and a half years of uh, deep research. And so going through your life history of all the things that you've done, we have a lot in common because, first of all, you're Armenian, I'm Armenian. So uh, I have a little section on our website called Amazing Armenians, and I think that you're pretty amazing given the fact that you are not just an author, but you have also managed to be a great photographer, a great musician, and various sundry things all in the line of the creative arts. And I think that's very impressive uh, for all the time that you've devoted to this. And with this book, I'm very curious to ask you, how is it that you would get the first ever biography out of Bob Seeger? How did that happen? Oh, that's a great question. Thanks for asking it. Also, when you asked earlier about how long it took to write the book, Mm -hmm. the germination for all of this actually goes way back. Uh, Mike Novak, who was the attorney, 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 who was Seeger's attorney. Well, Bob and myself shared that attorney for over 40 years. And uh, that was sort of... Because you were in a band also called the the George George Edwards Edwards Group. And before that, a band called Andromeda in the late 60s in Detroit. We played with the Rationals and the Frost, et cetera. Uh-huh, cool. uh, ironically, we never did open for Bob, but we opened for many, many other local Detroit acts in the late 60s. Right. Anyway, right. Mike Novak was assisting me with some copyright stuff along the lines of songwriting, mm-hmm. uh, original compositions, et cetera. Right. So that's how I met him, actually, through a mutual friend. Some 30 years later, Mike was helping me pu- with the publishing of another book, a different book. And we were coming home in his car from the distributor house. And Mike had suggested, I had asked him, I, I had asked him out of the blue, Bob Seeger needs a biography, not thinking of myself at oh. all. Mm-hmm. And Mike turned to me in the car, I'll never forget it, and he said, yeah, and you're the guy to write it. Really? How and this cool was, was that? this was years and years ago. Because they were very tight, uh, Mike, oh, yeah. and, of course, yeah. uh, given the relationship. Yeah. But how is that approach taken care of? You don't, you didn't know Bob personally. Not you? personally. So what's happening here? I always liked his music. Our band in the late '60s, we were covering Seeger material like uh, Two Plus Two, his mm. first Capital Forty Five. Wow. I think our garage band, mm-hmm. uh, B band, we probably played Seeger uh, material or Two Plus Two as much or more than Bob did himself. In those days, (laughs) as far as I know, we were the only local band covering any Seeger material, actually. So 
uh, I always liked his music. Born and raised in the Motor City mm -hmm. area, like Bob, and we played with a lot of his contemporaries. Yeah, we never crossed paths directly, but indirectly, we knew a lot of the same camp. Okay. Uh, and of course, Mike Novak was sort of the cornerstone of the whole thing. I dedicated the book to his memory. Uh, he died way too young. I course. know, and we uh, coincidentally had used Mike's uh, help in some of those other contractual obligations that we as a music company have had in the past. So, uh -huh. uh, so we're, on this, uh, we're on the same turn the page uh, idea here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of coincidental things. Now, this book is nearly 300 pages long, and it's very compelling. And you have not just uh, stories about that relationship with Novak, but you also have Tom Weschler in here, the, phot yes. the photographer, and also who was Bob's road, road, road manager. Road manager. Uh -huh. And uh, it's, uh, it's so interesting, and some of the things that you have in here are fascinating to me. I mean, Bob's insecurity about what they were doing. He and Punch were gathered together in a room talking about the fact that things were not going as well as they would hope for. And uh, they were talking about the money early on, and much of it was spent on food, whatever they could get. Uh, Can you elaborate a little bit on any of that? Well, perhaps the general public may not realize the grueling nature of the music industry right. and touring, etc. I mean, for years upon years, these guys were just making ends meet. You know, macaroni and cheese cheap motel rooms. I heard like uh, uh, in one year nine grand or something. Right? Yeah, and then all taken up by road expenses. Uh, by food and yeah. uh, lodging. Sure. Yeah. And so a very rough road, a real roller coaster ride uh, for Bob and all of his various bandmates over the years. I mean, this was not easy. In fact, the name of the book, Turn the Page, really encapsulates a lot of Bob's early life, hence his lyrics to that song. Right. You know, you're out uh, X miles east of Omaha in the middle of nowhere. Right. You're hungry, you're tired, you're yeah. a rock star, mm -hmm. supposedly. You know, mm -hmm. it was a rough uh, early life of anything almost before a live bullet. Right. Um, which is sort of how you could, in a summary way, sort of define his career pre or post Live Bullet, everything changed after that album. Mm -hmm. But the early days, and I was around there in the late 60s, the mm -hmm. real early days, right. Bob with Capital even before that, with Hideout. These guys had it rough. You, uh, you had to be tenacious, but more than that, and this is true for Bob, you have to really love music. Mm -hmm. You would not stick with it. He basically said the same thing right. in many interviews. If I didn't love it, I'd have gotten out of it. And in fact, some things were so... I know for Bob, some insecurities were coming out with the fact that the record label, Capital, was interested in replacing Bob as a lead singer. Can you digress a little bit about that? Yeah, they weren't just, Capital wasn't just interested in doing that. They did it. And Bob I can't even imagine. But they're still calling it Bob Seeger's Silver Bullet Band. Uh, Bob Seeger's System 5. Okay, sorry. And so the fans are seeing this next Capital album. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. What's going on here? Bob Seger is no longer the lead singer in his own band. <laughs> and Bob basically was quit, went back to college, was ready to quit the music industry completely. Wow. Uh, really devastated by this. And who was this person? Uh, Nimi. Well, 
Bob actually brought him into the band to play guitar. Bob wanted to sort of transition away from carrying an axe. He wanted to become just the lead singer, concentrate on his vocals. Right. Which, in retrospect, was probably a good move. But that said, Bob was a pretty damn good guitar player. Right. And still is. It, it crops up once in a while on mm-hmm. some of uh, some of his cuts. Yeah. Even later on in his career. The but, guy, in, but in concert, he's playing guitar, he's playing piano. The guy can playing, play. Yeah. He can play. Better than people realize, I think. But right. anyway... Uh, Bob brought in Nimi for a guitar work, and mm-hmm. Nimi, more or less, there are different versions of this story, so I want to be careful here. Right. Um, most people would say Nimi sort of took over, and Bob was not really a band leader in that sense. He he was too nice of a guy, Right. The, to put it another way. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, Nimi's the lead singer of the group, and mm-hmm. Bob wasn't, you know, Capital informed him of this. They didn't ask him. And it was a real shock, and uh, the album Noah, pretty much of what we're talking about that era. Right. Uh, Bob has pretty much disowned the whole album, except for a couple of cuts. Wow. Uh, and he didn't even write most of that album. And you also mentioned in the book that um, Punch Andrews, yes. who is a character, I have to say. I've met Punch many times. Punch is kind of a character, and then you got Bob, and you're in the book saying that they felt that they were easy marks early on as far as the record industry uh, and the control that they were exerting over these two guys. Uh, yes. That they didn't know what to do or how to handle all of this stuff. Oh, yes. How did that change? Where was that change? Happening? Oh, lots of experience, lots of years and lots of miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, things got turned around, but it took many, many years. And they would admit to this, I'm sure, if they were sitting here, significant mistakes. Now, they certainly weren't the only band or management you know, to fall into these various traps right. in, inside the music business. But when you consider today and how managers or producers are a dime a dozen, they come and they go, Bob stuck with Punch forever. Yes. From the very beginning they were yes. together, right? Yeah, I've tried to really reiterate that point in the book. It's basically, I don't want to exaggerate here, or overstate mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely amazing yeah. that these two would be together over half a century yeah. inside the music industry. Because that think is of, unheard of. Think about it, in those rough times, wouldn't you say, you know, whatever, I yeah. need a new manager, yeah. I need to do something else. Yeah, especially late 60s in Detroit, Mitch Ryder is having two, three national hits. Right. He's the same age as Bob. Wow. And there's obviously both Motor City yeah. homegrown. Why can't I be doing that? Yeah, I'm sure there was some real competition going on. Mitch is turning out all these inane records, uh, Devil with the Blue Dress on, right. et cetera, et cetera, you know, nonsensical lyrics, et, right. et cetera. He's got huge hits yeah. nationally. Yeah. You know, now, Seeger had his share of local stuff. But it took them a long time to break through nationally. And it's fascinating when you're using the word inane. You know, I, Bob's been here numbers of times. And frankly, for myself, I was not a Bob Seeger fan only because my head was steeped into classical and jazz starting out. I grew to appreciate Bob as time went on. But when he finally came here uh, several years ago and started record, doing some recording here, he spread all his lyrics out on a table. And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking... Are you kidding me? I was really not listening. But you look at the work and it's poetry. Oh, yeah. Absolute poetry. Yes. 
And uh, everything has such substantive meaning, you know, that when you use the word inane, I get it. I mean, it's amazing to me what he was able to do. Sure. I mean, let's just contrast Della with the Blue Dress On by Mitch Ryder right. to turn the page. I hope Mitch is not listening, but we'll go ahead. Oh, I love him. <laughs> no, I love him. But and he would he would agree, of course. You know, these yeah, were just I know, kids' I dance records. Right, right. But, you know, turn the page. Yeah. Um, even Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, these are not really... Kids, no, they're not lyrics. No, they, you know these are deep, yeah. pretty deep, pretty they're heavy deep. lyrics. They are deep. Yeah. yeah, and to this day, even though Bob is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. I still feel he's somewhat underrated for his lyrics. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Really great lyrics. Yeah. Against mean, the wind, those lyrics I mean, still blow me away. Yeah. I mean, you got to put him in there with Dylan and a lot of other people. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's pretty amazing to me. You're listening to Yakking with Yessian. Visit danyesium.com and sign up for the newsletter to receive all the latest content, including vlogs, podcasts, and all things related to Dan's feature work and Armenian trilogy. Now back to the conversation. Let me ask you something. With this book, I mean, there's a lot of information here. Turn the page. Great book. A great read. Thank you. But in this book, what are some things that you would say that people would never have guessed about Bob Seeger? Any surprises that uh, come out? Depends on the age of the reader, Okay, I would say. I, I find many of the people who've enjoyed the book had no idea really about his earliest days mm -hmm. uh, in Detroit and Ann Arbor and uh, the local scene in Detroit, Grandy Ballroom. So I think um, that might be one area where people would find surprising. Also, Bob's work ethic is quite... Uh, quite unique mm -hmm. in the music business. His dedication to his bandmates, to this day, he pays his bandmates equal to himself for all the stage work. That's unheard of. I know. That is totally unheard of. And uh, all of these traits, or most of them, clearly came from his mother, uh, who taught him about staying out of debt, avoiding drugs and alcohol, being honest and forthright with people. Mm -hmm. And so that's fairly typical for moms mm -hmm. as a value system. Mm -hmm. But for a rock icon yeah. to not only hold those values, but then to maintain them throughout all of Bob's fame and fortune, that's really impressive to me. Yeah, totally. All I can think of is the word humility. I yeah. mean, he, he really is so down to earth. You know, he came here and uh, I had my grandchildren here and my son asked Bob, is it possible you could get a picture with Dan's grandchildren here? And he said, oh, my gosh, of course. So he knelt down right next to them, holding on to both of them. And it was such a neat thing. You know? yeah. And I thought, gosh, who else would I know? And I've met a lot of stars. Uh, who else does that kind of a thing? You know, yeah. I, I just don't know. I, uh, but I'm often very surprised. Now, let me ask you about being Armenian okay. and music. You grew up like I did in this Armenian ether, uh, our environment of food, but even more importantly, the music. Yes. I kind of said to myself, well, the music's cool, but I want to just exercise my wings a little bit with other genres, and that's where classical and jazz and other things came into play for me. How about you? What did you, what was your impression of Armenian music? And uh, I know this is off the beaten track. It's not about the book, but it is about you. And as an Armenian, a fellow Armenian, I'm just curious to what designs on any of this did you have? Well, that's an interesting question. I would have to start off by 
mentioning my dear uncle, long since passed away, Surin Benderian, and he played in the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Wow. And so very early on, I was exposed to classics. He'd be practicing at the house. He had three suitcases on our front porch. <laughs> One of them was clothes. And oh the other two were all sheet music. And my mother used to laugh. You know, that's how he traveled. And that violin was absolutely part of his body. Mm. Wow. Uh, you could not separate him from that instrument. I mean, he lived and died with that violin and uh, taught me some early on guitar maneuvers, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though some similarity. One's a fretted instrument, the other isn't, of course. But but Uncle Suren gave me some tips about playing and playing live. And I remember that strongly. My dad was a big classical music guy, Hmm. so that was permeating the house all the time. And the Armenian bands playing at the church, etc. I used to love the beat, that Eastern influence right. of sound, the oud. And I used to go right up to the front of the stage and just kind of watch them with such intensity. At a very young age, yeah. under 10 years old, yeah. didn't really know much about music, but I knew what I liked. Right. I was attracted to it. I think that the exposure to that music actually catapults you into other genres easily because that happened of the, to me because of the rhythm changes <laughs> yes. and so on and so forth and the yeah i remember the rhythm most distinctly in armenian music yeah. very interesting so going back to the book how is it doing how are the sales going? we're blown away uh the book came out july 7th mm-hmm. uh, 2019 and my life has not been the same <laughs> really would you say that this is your monumental legacy or I know you've done a lot of things Ed but I, I'm just wondering it because might be. I, I, it's so cool it's the first ever of this man so it might be it's too early to say right now it's my 12th book but we've never had one that had this kind of reception but you were in the other books were you covering personality uh, or was it a, a book? book I did on the Beatles somewhat okay but not a biography this is unique in that way um And I just, you know, this might sound a little altruistic, maybe even corny, but born and raised in Detroit, being part of the rock scene in the 60s and 70s, Mm -hmm. I just felt like Seeger deserved a biography, and his fans deserved a story about his career. And as I talked to Mike Novak in that car ride many years ago, Mm -hmm. where is his biography, you know? So we'll see what the future holds. The book, since July, it's been two months now. We never expected it to take off. That's wonderful. And where would it be available? Where can people get this book? Amazon. Okay. Uh, and Bob Seeger, turnthepage.com. Those are the two major, Those outlets. Are the major outlets. And we've been very active on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook. Um, Bob Seeger's favorite charity, Children's Village, mm-hmm. um, they bought numerous copies for, as fundraising. So I'm going over there actually later this week to meet with them. They're overjoyed with the book. And, That's wonderful. Uh, that Children's Village of Oakland County is doing great work, mm-hmm. and Bob and his wife are very heavily involved with that, which is cool. And he has a wonderful wife, Anita. I've had the pleasure of meeting her, and you're going to see her soon today or something? Uh, or later this week, later yeah. This week? yeah. And I've donated a portion of my royalties to that charity. I saw that. 15% goes so, to charity. Yeah. I mean, I feel that like that's great. That's that the wonderful. least I could do. Yeah, of course. I felt like yeah. that was the least I could do. It's, it's great. One thing that I was very adamant about was I wanted the book to be an accurate and honest, very fair representation of his life. Right. I wasn't into uh, some kind of innuendo, crazy rumors couldn't be substantiated, right. anything salacious that you know anybody can say anything on the internet. Right. Well, course. that doesn't make it a fact. And we were extremely careful. I was very adamant about that with my staff. Yeah. 
And other than that, just elbow grease, hard work, digging and digging and more digging, cross-checking facts. He's a very closed, quiet kind of guy. Yeah. I have to say, I try to be objective about it. It was not an easy biography uh, mm-hmm. to tackle. Right. I would have to say that. Well, it's such a pleasure, and you have to be so proud. Turn the page, the Bob Seeger story. It's available Amazon.com and Bob Seeger turn the page. Bob Seeger turn the page.com. Dr. Balian, a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. This has been Yakin with Yesian. Thanks for tuning in. As always, visit danyesian.com for all the latest content. See you soon.